0: not a product, it's a technology.
1: It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension.
0: There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests.
2: All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market
1: is moving much faster than that.
2: You've got something that's transformational.
1: Solar window in
2: a can. Beyond Zero: Global Warming, Science, Solutions, and Action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the community radio network and podcast at bzd.org.au and 3cr.org.au. My name's Michael Steindl, and today I'm joined by my co-host Kay Winigal.
1: Hi, Michael. Hi, listeners.
2: And Natalie Bucknell on the panel.
1: Hello, everyone.
2: Today we're talking about battery energy systems with CEO John Wood from Occult Energy Storage Systems. Occult produced custom energy storage solutions and believe that storage is now a prime determinant of how quickly society can effectively shift from its dependency on fossil fuel consumption to more effective use of renewable resources. Hi, John. Have we got you on the phone there?
0: Yeah, we do. Uh, Hello. Uh, Good to have the chance
2: uh, to talk today. Thanks for joining us, John. John, a court was established in 2007 by Australia's CSIRO, the Commonwealth Scientific Industrial Research Organisation, as a vehicle to develop and commercialise ultra-battery, which is a unique hybrid lead-acid battery and carbon ultra-capacitor invented by the CSIRO. So where does it sit now, who owns it, and where is it produced?
0: Okay, so Colt is an Australian company out of uh, Sydney. So we're we're based up in Sydney. We've got about 53 people just near Barangaroo. We are part of a company called East Penn Manufacturing, which is, I guess, now around the largest battery manufacturers in the world, based out of the U.S. It's a family company out of Pennsylvania. makes about 38 million batteries a year. It's just an awesome mm. uh, awesome business. So with them, we're, uh, we're manufacturing uh, ultra-battery and putting out uh, energy storage solutions uh, all around the world.
1: John, does that mean that it's Kay here? Does that mean that the batteries are actually manufactured in America or in Australia?
0: Yeah, the ultra batteries at the moment uh, are actually manufactured in America by East Pen Manufacturing, in Japan uh, by Furukawa Battery, and now we've just brought uh, Exide Industries. Uh, Exide Industries is the, the largest battery manufacturer in India. Uh, just bought in Exide Industries online manufacturing ultra battery in India as well. So the, the ultra battery is a uh, a technology. It's a technology that was invented by CSIRO, and so the approach we've taken to uh, get the, the greatest impact for that technology, the greatest reach, is to establish the manufacture uh, in the uh, in the territories, and then to support it with the surrounding technology wrapper uh, to give a great experience to all the customers that utilise the ultra battery.
1: John, can you? Describe what the ultra-battery actually is.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing. It's an invention that uh, came out of CSIRO. Dr. Lan Lam is the inventor. He's working with a number of people down there, including uh, David Rand. But there's a, a team down in Melbourne. They came up with the understanding that if you were to hybridise a cell – now. you batteries are batteries and ultra capacitors are ultracapacitors but in in this case with ultra battery, what they did was they combined both chemistries in into a single cell now that means there's actually battery chemistry in every ultra capacitor cell and every ultra battery cell and there's uh, capacitor technology in there as well. And what's going on is that the because they share a common electrolyte, uh, the capacitor technology is actually modifying or changing uh, the behavior of the uh, battery chemistry. And one of the well, ultra-batteries is built on a lead-acid foundation, and one of the limiting features of that, uh, or one of the features that uh, we certainly want to do better with that technology was always its ability to operate in what's called partial state of charge, which is... Uh, Never quite full, never quite empty. Sort of always putting uh, energy in and out. And so, lead acid batteries would do, be able to do a certain amount of that. But then they would, uh, they would what is called sulfate, which means they'd gradually lose some capacity, and then uh, over time. But the CSR invention uh, helped uh, in terms of uh, mitigating the impact of that sulfation, and allowed the battery to be used in these new uh, use models. And they're the ones that we apply to uh, uh, renewable integration and, uh, you know, diesel emission reduction and things like that.
2: Thanks for that. I I can imagine our listeners, we've only slipped in twice, that we're talking lead-acid technology and they're probably horrified thinking, what the hell are they on about that for? Isn't that dead? (laughs) Um, And this is important that this technology has given a new life to lead-acid possibilities and we, we will... Cover that a bit more, but um, basically, one of the main restrictions of lead acid is that they hated um, not being fully cycled or fully charged, that had very detrimental effects on them. And, and you've just talked about being able to operate in that partial state of charge zone. But the other or the thing that's allowed to do that, and, and I want to clarify this here you talk about this um, supercapacitor or ultracapacitor technology. My understanding, and I've, I've been struggling with this the last couple of days, is it's not actually a capacitor, that it's, it's the capacitor technology where you um, basically have replaced the anode with this um, super area that you get with the ultra capacitors as the anode. But it's not behaving like a capacitor because that's not what you want. Capacitors uh, vary their voltage with, with current and, and you don't want that with a battery. You want it to maintain its battery. Is that right, that it's, it's the supercapacitor technology but it's not actually a capacitor?
0: Yeah, look, it's uh, that's a good explanation. If you think about battery chemistry, battery uh, store battery chemistry stores a lot of energy, so mm. you have a, a balance between power and energy uh, capabilities in a battery. Ultra capacitor technology is great on power, but you know it's it, it's expensive if you if you're using an ultra capacitor in energy as terms. a battery. Yes, yeah, yeah. So ultra is a you know. What we what happens in ultra battery is the combination of the technology and in the, and the, and the 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 technology is combined in a fairly straightforward straightforward way. so the uh, this is a, a common sense invention. The battery uh, negative plate is enhanced and actually has a capacitor formed on the uh, surface of the negative plate. Now
2: by, by that you mean the super area exposure that the ultra capacitors have.
0: Absolutely, yes. So, if you think about a battery cell, you've got reactants. So you've got the the uh, reactions in the uh, electrolyte. You've got the reactants in the plate. In the case of lead acid battery, that's lead turning to lead sulfate mm-hmm. in the negative, and and uh, lead oxide turning to, to lead sulfate in the positive. And of course, you've got the acid in between the two plates and the separator. So. All of those reactants, uh, the sulfates, uh, lead going into, into solution, uh, a function of factors like pH uh, of the acid. And in an ultra-battery uh, and, and surface area, just drift and diffusion, molecules being able to get together mm-hmm. to react, um, yes. being, being pulled together by, by uh, drift. In an ultra battery, because you've got uh, a activated carbon uh, ultra capacitor formed on the surface of the of the negative plate, that negative plate now has dramatically different characteristics. There's a certain amount of surface area and porosity uh, in the in the normal negative plate, but when you form the ultra capacitor on the surface, as you as you as you were saying, it's it's an enormous surface area. It's a it's a huge surface area. You know, a couple of football fields in a yep. in a half a teaspoon, and you're sort of uh, fixing that uh, surface area across the plate. It's also a, a conductive uh, material. So if if you were uh, you know if you're one of those molecules reacting uh, or ions reacting. Inside this hybrid cell, you see something that's very different than if you mm. were just a uh, an iron inside a uh, a lead acid battery.
2: Yeah, and as I, as I understand, this helps two ways. One is the greater area, and the other is um, the lack of deterioration of that um, that terminal. So that's where you get your advantage of being able to work in a pa- partial state of charge, partial which state of charge, batteries yeah. um, lead acid batteries normally don't like.
0: Yeah, look, uh, and where,
2: also
1: where the be a faster where... discharge and charging
0: that 's yeah. it that 's exactly the point the the two, the two things that it leads to is first of all, you get much faster uh, charge acceptance, which is really important, and then the longer life now uh why we call it a hybrid cell? a lot of people think uh what what they 've done is they've buffered the battery chemistry by putting an ultra capacitor in there, mm. but it, actually it doesn 't work that way. If you were to take an ultra capacitor and put it in parallel with a battery cell, you will not get what happens in an ultra battery. No. No. The, amount of, the extra amount of energy that goes in with time is much more than the amount that is going into the capacitor. The capacitor is modifying the cell.
2: Yeah, thanks for clarifying that because it, it, it's sort of like um, ultra-capacitor fairy dust which <laughs> we, we don't actually need. So, John, what sort of applications are really suited for this?
0: Oh, look, I think everybody uh, at the moment in the energy storage community is trying to find the solution to take uh, variable... Uh, energy generation and make it as convenient as you know energy on demand or or fossil fuel energy dispatchable dispatchable to make it dispatchable now what we're therefore using energy storage for is to shift energy in time, so in the past, you would think of energy storage as you know being available to do something on need, but now we actually use it to to buffer uh, and there's a lot of different applications so you know the the benchmark application is the uh power application uh, known as, as frequency regulation that's sort of the that was the benchmark in you know if you can handle frequency regulation uh that's the the very short duration uh balancing of of mm. energy on the grid. Which
2: the Tesla battery has excelled at so far hasn't it
0: yeah, and the ultra battery has uh, has excelled at so mm. You know, we've been doing frequency regulation uh, in North America uh, on the PJM network pretty well since uh, since batteries started to be applied to that purpose.
2: Mm. How, how long would that be? Uh,
0: we've had systems out doing frequency regulation for about four years now. Okay. Um, we also do microgrids. Uh, so, you know, a application in close home in Australia down on King Island, Hydro Tasmania, a, has established an awesome island uh, microgrid down on King Island, 1,700 people uh, running off a uh, very high uh, share of renewable mix, often often going for more than a day, just running off wind and, and uh, solar and uh, battery. Uh, and uh, they've got a couple of things there, a, a flywheel and uh, some resistors.
1: No, we- no hydro, though.
0: <laughs> no hydro on the island no no, but it it's actually you know hydro have done an incredible job with that technology we were we were fortunate enough they chose ultra battery uh for you know a very large system there that uh is uh part of their solution buffering buffering the energy but it's a, you know that's a sort of an example uh, close home here in australia
2: and uh, and what sort of longevity would you expect to get out of them in that sort of setting john
0: the benchmark the benchmark that I think everyone in the in the battery industry wants to do is is to be getting at least ten years out of applications. That particular system has been out in the field now, uh, I think, for about five years and is performing uh, really, really well. Um, we have a lot of we have a lot of systems in Australia. We have a lot of systems uh, over in North America, and now just starting to get uh, more systems into places like uh, India, uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, territories where you can really make a, a very solid uh, impact, uh, impact in terms of quality of life for people, impact in terms of reduction of, uh, of emissions, um, uh, and, uh, you know, where where these batteries are, are really, really needed. And, so-
1: and that would be here in Australia in very many places, wouldn't it, remote
0: places? Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of remote places. We've got some remarkable uh, applications um, one of them. One of them. Uh, we 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 do have a system uh, in a house which is buffering uh, energy because uh, they need to charge their Tesla. Uh, we also have a, a system in a house where they need to uh, buffer energy so that they can charge uh, their BMW electric car. Um, and we've got uh, small resorts that are using uh, the ultra battery. Uh, we've got uh, telecommunication uh, powers stations for, uh, for for telecom towers gsm cell towers uh we've got microgrids uh we've got farms there's a remarkable system uh i've introduced met this this farmer down in Melbourne at uh, one of the battery shows he's using our product on, the, on his farm and he's got an automatic uh uh milking system uh for for his cows and uh he's uh, automated a farm about as far as you can get i think uh, running it off renewable energy, uh, storing energy in batteries, and then uh, having the automatic uh, milking systems run off the uh, the clean energy. Um, Sounds great. So remarkable stuff.
1: If you've just tuned in, we're talking to John Wood from Equal Energy Storage Systems about ultra-battery.
2: So, John, one of the drawbacks of storage is that in the process of storing energy and then discharging it, you always have some energy loss. So... And that's referred to as the battery efficiency. In the case of batteries, what sort of efficiencies are we looking at with the ultra batteries?
0: Ultra batteries very highly efficient. So uh, we depend. Efficiency is a function of rate because as your rate gets higher, you you have greater losses. But in a typical application, and I guess uh, it's an interesting interesting case, is we we did one of the first large scale uh, solar. Uh, solar battery integrations over in North America and it was a, a project called the PNM Prosperity Project very famous uh, project uh, won one awards over there and our DC to DC efficiency was more than uh, 90% uh, on the in that application our AC to AC I think was around and and I'm recalling this number so I think it was around 87 88% but when we think of efficiency, often we, we jump in quick and we think, well, what's the battery efficiency alone? What's the, what's the efficiency with the inverter and the battery? When you think about energy efficiency, you've also got to think about what's the uh, parasitic, uh, cost of energy to make the energy storage system work itself. So. Uh, Over on that particular system, uh, we it was in our early days, and we air conditioned uh, the batteries uh, on that system uh, for maximum um, maximum longevity and 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 such. You really got to look at those parasitics because after with parasitics were in, uh, the efficiency was more like about fifty percent. The cost of the air conditioning. So one of the things we're doing with ultra batteries, lead acid chemistry uh, operated in partial state of charge is actually very, very robust and able to handle some pretty harsh conditions. And that's one of the reasons we're over in uh, India at the moment. So in India, we have uh, systems out uh, in environments where inside their, their battery cabinets the batteries are seeing you know 50 to 54 uh, degrees uh, every day while they're repeatedly cycling.
2: That's a bit of a contrast to King Island.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a contrast there. But you know, it's very important that the batteries are able to give their longevity in real world at real world conditions and and that is one of the big strengths of of uh, the lead acid technology and the ultra battery technology. A lot of uh, where we do benchmark testing, a lot of the benchmark testing is set against fairly regular profiles. Uh, but none of the none of the real world is actually regular. I mean, people charge batteries fast and discharge slow, or charge slow, discharge fast, uh, and then temperatures can be hot, temperatures can be cold, and temperatures can roam all around. Uh, the true uh, test of battery technology is to be able to handle all of those uh, various conditions. That's actually one of the real strengths of of uh, lead acid uh it's very very uh, strong very capable uh, of handling uh, variety conditions and, and whatever is is thrown at it it's also uh you know where ecult has carved out its uh, niche for the manufacturers around the world i've got an extraordinary team of of very very capable engineers here they they they're just brilliant uh wonderful people uh, and they get involved in understand, everything from understanding what's going on in the, inside the ultra battery uh, and uh, capturing that through uh, doing embedded system development uh, here in, system, in Sydney. We, we develop up all the monitoring and, and those sort of things and then developing algorithms to uh, interpret that uh, and to uh, present it uh, to control layers we do SCADA systems. We're doing a, a amazing uh, system over in, in in North America at the moment. Combines our SCADA skills and also our power systems engineering skills, and our uh, industrial design skills. We're we're, we're building a, a system system on a major critical uh, campus uh, that will uh, provide ancillary services to the grid. And if the grid fails, actually uh, island the whole thing. So, uh, you know it turns into just like a, a, a king island site if someone was to take the grid away uh, that uh, that campus will run off its own uh, wind and, and solar and, and battery and, and diesel um and so E. called and the team here have been able to build that uh, that whole uh, experience put together the 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 data analytics the cloud the cloud data analytics to be able to let the customers know what's going on to be able to put in the uh a maintenance system, so that we can, uh, you know, ahead of time, uh, do a, a battery, single battery replacement in a string, if we can see that a single battery needs mm. to be replaced or to. Yeah, I do, kn- do you note know.
2: that you say on your thing that every battery is managed. Um, John, we, we've got a bunch more questions we want to ask you, in only about six minutes, so we'll have to <laughs> move a bit more quickly. Just on this uh, world thing. Lead acid is... Lithium, as I said earlier, is the, is the the in thing. But lead acid is still by far the world's dominant system, isn't it? Can you give us just a quick proportion in the world of how much of it's still lead acid?
0: And yeah, look, reports? I think I think it's a number of about five times in energy terms. So if you looked at the amount of energy stored in batteries today, I believe the number is about uh, five times more energy stored in lead acid chemistry today than any alternative chemistry. Uh, there's about... Uh, 28 gigawatts of lead acid uh, chemistry alone in North America backing up uh, data centres and telecommunications, for example.
1: Mm. Okay. So also in the Western world, I guess there's more lithium-ion compared to other parts of the world?
0: No, not at all. And the, the number I gave you of a factor of five was actually... Uh, if you looked across all applications of the chem- of the chemistries, so if you looked yeah. across, uh, you know, what's being used in data centers, telecommunications, cars, uh, forklifts, that all. Another important, really important thing about the lead-acid industry and why it's so important that we're able to unlock this latent uh, resource is it's a fully sustainable uh, industry today. So... You know, about 98% of every lead-acid battery can be uh, recycled back into another lead-acid battery, and the industry has found productive uses for the remainder. Uh, and so, uh, you know, our parent company, uh, East Penn, has an amazing sustainability uh, approach where we actually take the batteries out to the customers and then the batteries come back, they go back in the crusher, they get redistributed straight back out as as new batteries. So it's a it's a... A huge capability around the world, uh, the lead acid industry, and so unlocking it to uh, to benefit uh, our renewable goals and our, our sustainability goals, and to, and to do the emissions reduction is a is a you know huge opportunity uh, from from the CSIRO technology.
1: So, how does the efficiency of the lead acid battery compared to a lithium ion battery?
0: A well made uh, lead acid battery, a well made lead acid battery will be will operate at the same efficiency as a well made. Uh, lithium battery, and I, I, I want to be very specific in, if I can, on answering that because it's, it's a specific question. The efficiency has a lot to do with the way the plates are designed, with the way the cells are designed, and so we can make lead-acid batteries that will operate at very high charge and discharge rates, you know, read very high efficiency. Um,
2: and but ra- it is relative... very
0: case specific.
2: Yeah, and the relative costs, um,
0: John. Relative costs is an interesting question. Uh, the, there's many ways to answer the question. In theory, the relative cost of the respective technologies, uh, lead acid, has a significant advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, in practice, uh, often we see uh, lithium technology bid at low prices. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work out in the in the fullness of time uh and uh you know i think both industries are going to play to their strengths to uh to try to do that we're actually bringing down our lcoe the the, the cost of using our product uh, and i have to in there recognize that we we did, we have along our path had tremendous support from arena from the australian government uh, and our goal in that work is to make this technology more competitive and to get the cost of adoption of the technology uh down
2: hmm. Yeah, we did want to get to the arena stuff. So, since you've mentioned it, um, you've you've had something like four million dollars in funding from Arena, um, in part to fund your um, foray into the Indian and Southeast uh, South Asian markets. Can you tell us about that briefly?
0: Yeah, Arena are a, a, Arena are a, a real asset for Australia, I find, because they're doing great stuff, well, aren't they? They're, they're really strategic great. investments. Yeah, and you know I've run all sorts of companies, had all sorts of investors, and you know Arena is rigorous. Uh, so, you know the guys who have made their investment uh, track it. They make a they they get engaged. They they help. They challenge. Uh, you know I find I find that it was actually a, a you know it was actually a very difficult or not difficult but rigorous process that we went through to get our grant. And at the end of going through that with them you know the whole program was better what we what we took on the scope of work we took on was was better
2: and some of your arena funding is recoupable uh, refundable how does that work
0: yeah that's right uh, we have targets we have goals uh, and that was the basis of the uh, arrangement with arena we we entered into a commercial arrangement with them they wanted to see that their the assets are invested in uh, on behalf of the Australian uh, taxpayer were being stewarded effectively, uh, and uh, they did a really good job of commercial negotiation in that process. So,
1: And I noticed also, John, in the research that I did with this, with your product that ARENA is funding the Battery Charging Centre, I think it's called, where they do all sorts of rigorous Char- test- test- testing. Testing Centre, yeah. ITK. Or, all sorts of different um, batteries they test for- for the um, performance,
0: uh, this is uh, this is our testing facility, or this is no, I no, know. I think it's one in Canberra. Oh, yeah, so arena is arena is also doing uh, comparative testing as well. Mm.
1: That's right.
2: Is- yeah, uh, and one of the issues they've found there is um, is the protocols for um, the various battery systems and and various inverters <laughs> talking to each other. Um, have you got a quick comment on any standardisation that might occur there? Because that's a major issue.
0: Oh my. Uh, that you know, you need an hour. No, the topic. <laughs> <laughs> let me be really quick. Um, we work a lot of uh, a lot of inverter makers. So I would like to call out a great Australian inverter maker, Selectronic. Yep. Uh they're, they're, they're awesome. But we work with Selectronic. We work with Schneider. We work with Dynapower. Uh, we work with uh, Delta. We work with any number of inverter uh, companies. And a big, a very big part of our work is is getting our technology to work. Uh, in the best way with each of those different inverters. Um, You know, it is an area that uh, certainly uh, there's plenty of scope for uh, the industry to Mm. continue to improve.
1: John, we've just run out of time, unfortunately. Can you tell our listeners where they can find out more information about your product?
0: Yeah, of course. Look, um, ecoolt.com, dot com, or ultrabattery.com. And ultrabattery is really simple, ultra and uh, battery.com. Right. Um, all, all, all up and online.
1: Thank you very much for Thanks, your John. time today, John.
0: Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. The Beyond
1: Bye-bye. Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions Think Tank, Beyond Zero Emissions, and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to bze.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can donate to help cover airtime costs, and keep us on the air, please go to the BZE website and click on the donate button. Thanks very much for listening and hope you can join us again next week.
0: Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally
2: recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. Bze.org.au